For some time now, Belle Isle has been the most surreal part of America's most surreal city. It's the little island getaway for the 20th century American apocalypse, also known as the city of Detroit. In the middle of the Detroit River, between the ugly concrete shores of Windsor, Ontario, and the mythical but still ugly shores of urban Detroit, sits a little piece of northern Michigan called, in French, the Beautiful Isle. And sure, it's fair to say it's beautiful. It's green and lush, and it's pretty hard, when you stop and think about it, for an island not to be beautiful. Unless you're talking about barren volcanic rocks in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Every island has a kind of living poetry about it, and even those rocks are attractive in a desolate kind of way. But Belle Isle has a more conventional appeal, or at least it used to. It still has the weeping willows and island reeds of the glory days, but these have been joined in recent years by a sprawling campus of ruins and more litter in the meridian of the filthiest interstate. Most of the island's interior lakes are overflowing, and, like seemingly everything in this place, sprinkled with a generous helping of garbage. The access point to Belle Isle is a long marble arch bridge of the kind you might find over the Thames in London or the Seine in Paris. Only this one is more than 2,000 feet long. It's a pretty bridge and lined with lampposts, all of which leaves you utterly unprepared for the current state of Belle Isle. That is, at least until you approach the former Detroit Boat Club, to the left of the bridge on the island shore. This once proud club competed against rival cities like Chicago and New York, and the trophy cases inside are still full of evidence of its success. The Detroit Boat Club is the oldest yacht club in the United States. Established in 1839, and predating those of cities like Boston and New York by roughly 30 years. But in the late 1990s, this club was forced to leave its home, and the building has become a landmark of the city's decline. With its yellowed exterior and balcony patios overlooking the lake, the former DBC looks more like the dilapidated home of a long-dead Colombian drug lord than a rowing club that once supplied seven rowers on a single U.S. Olympic team in 1956. The last time I was inside this building, the caretaker told me a ghost story that he clearly believed about a small child living in the attic of this empty building. He showed me a picture taken from the river, and sure enough, in the left upper corner of the photograph, in a small attic window, was an even smaller white face looking out over the water. I don't know anything about the supernatural or Photoshop, but I know I wanted to get out of there, pronto. Whatever was or was not happening in that photo, the haunted motif of this island was getting a little too real. That faded little face was basically a human version of every washed-out building on the island, especially the one I was standing in, 
and if there was any place a dead child from the 19th century would want to hang out, it certainly seemed like it would be here. Anyway, on the other side of the bridge is a little guardhouse where you're supposed to pay for entry to the state park. You don't actually pay because there is never anyone there to collect your money. Beyond the guardhouse is the casino and a huge marble fountain on the island's south end. The outside of the building is imposing and attractive, built in 1908 in the Renaissance Revival style. The inside is thoroughly nondescript, as it was updated in the 70s to remove all of its classical charms. The marble soda counter in the main hall was too large to remove, so they smashed it with sledgehammers and carried it out in pieces. The marble fountain outside the casino that has not, or at least has not yet, been smashed to pieces is called the James Scott Memorial Fountain. James Scott was a notorious Detroiter during the city's first boom era. He died in 1910, and when he did, he left his family fortune to the city with one condition, that they used the money to build a fountain on Belle Isle, featuring a large statue of himself. Now, to understand the comedy in this request, you have to know that Scott had a reputation for being a pretty bad person, and he knew this, and he knew the city hated him, and he knew that they wanted his money. So, he put his political enemies in a good old-fashioned pickle. They could have his money, but only if they built a massive monument to someone they despised. According to his public reputation, Scott was a crude, bullying figure who exploited the disadvantaged and celebrated his own vices. The comments from his rivals on learning the conditions of his fortune are priceless. One of them said he'd be happy to erect said statue, so long as it was about two and a half inches high. Another said only a good man who has wrought things for humanity should be honored in this way. In another, Mr. Scott never did anything for Detroit in his lifetime, and he never had a thought that was good for the city. One prominent Detroit historian described him simply as a vindictive, scurrilous misanthrope. But, in spite of all that, you have to give Scott credit. The marble fountain joke is a touch of genius. It's still funny every time you see his smug face looking out over his final masterpiece. He knew his money would win. It always does. A detective came and knocked on the door, and I said, is it Renee? And he just gave me that solemn look. It was the worst day ever. The Proof Podcast is back with a new case and a new season. 23 years ago, 18-year-old Renee Ramos went missing. Her body was later found in an empty Home Depot building on the edge of town. I don't think that they arrested the right people. It's about time somebody's trying to do something. She had a black eye about two weeks before she was murdered. They are involved. They definitely had her body and her backpack. You know people are going to judge you, right? Of course. They're judging me now. They've been judging me damn near my whole life. You can listen now to season two of Proof, wherever you get your podcasts.
and follow along with us as we reinvestigate the murder at the warehouse. I have to ask, did you kill Renee? American Criminal is a new true crime podcast from the studio behind American Scandal and American History Tellers. Every week, you'll fall deeper into the riveting stories of the country's most clever, craven, and cruel criminals. Fraud, theft, murder, and worse. Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the whole story until now. The debut season tackles one of the most sensational cases of the 20th century, the Menendez murders. In 1989, young Lyle and Eric Menendez brutally shot their own parents. Prosecutors and the press said it was a multi-million dollar inheritance that led two greedy rich kids to murder. But the picture-perfect facade this Hollywood family built hid troubling abuse. Could these teenagers have been driven to kill? Or was it even in self-defense? Listen now. Go to AmericanCriminal.com or search for and follow American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. About the time you reach this fountain, you'll likely lose cell phone service. You will have passed the halfway point of the Detroit River, and your provider will think you've left the United States. All of which only enhances this nagging feeling of having left the normal world behind. The longer you're here, the more it starts to feel like you've discovered a wormhole in the space-time continuum that has stuck you someplace between 1900 and some distant, dystopian future. You can't use your phone, and your surrounding environment of world-class Victorian architecture and discarded White Castle hamburger boxes is kind of hard to get your head around. The litter is seriously distracting. If you didn't know better, you would think the Michigan State flower was an empty styrofoam cup. Anyway, the Belle Isle Aquarium and Connected Garden Conservatory, just down the loop from the fountain, are a welcome relief from the chaos outside. These buildings are small but endearing, as they communicate a level of civic care and affection missing from most of the rest of this place. Both buildings were designed by one of the greatest architects in American history, the Detroiter Albert Kahn. But because they're so small, you can't stay inside the aquarium or conservatory for long. After just a few minutes, you're back on the loop, headed for the Belle Isle Athletic Fields, which are in themselves a fabulous public complex. In this complex, there are tennis courts, and basketball courts, and even eight individually numbered handball courts, dating to whenever people actually played handball. In the middle of all this are two massive baseball diamonds with light towers for night games that would be more appropriate for a professional stadium. But as pleasant as all of this is, it's still on Belle Isle. So the grass is perpetually overgrown and the entire complex, on whatever day of the week you choose to go there, is empty. Though I did once see an older woman throwing tennis balls to her dogs in handball court number two. And if all of this civil utility hasn't just filled you with sadness, don't worry. You haven't yet been to the Belle Isle Zoo. And you actually won't ever go, because it's been defunct since the disgraced Detroit mayor, 
Kwame Kilpatrick closed it in 2002. Once the home of more than 150 animals, it's now a popular destination for urban explorers. The property is gated and its turnstiles are locked. But anyone who climbs the fence will be able to tour the shooting location for one of the robot fights from the Hugh Jackman movie, Real Steel. Seriously, they filmed it here on the island. Apparently when the director was looking for the perfect setting for two robots trying to kill each other in a jungle village, he couldn't think of a better place than Belle Isle. And in some ways, that tells you everything you need to know. But when Kilpatrick closed the Belle Isle Zoo in 2002, he replaced it with a newer zoo, about a half mile to the north, which is really just a nature center, roughly the size and shape of a tank at a water treatment plant. And rather than housing kangaroos and polar bears, like the last zoo, this one contains fish tanks with turtles and frogs, and a traveling exhibit filled with plastic animal droppings, titled, What Scat Is That? But if your heart is at this point just brimming over with confusion and despair, go across the street to the Belle Isle Golf Course. You'll shoot the best score of your life. I guarantee it. The reason for this guarantee is simple. The course only has six holes. Then, just past the golf course, you come across the island's second boat club, also one of the oldest in the country. The Detroit Yacht Club, on your right, is the largest yacht clubhouse in the United States. But it's not actually on the island. The DYC is on its own tiny private island, literally a stone's throw off the Belle Isle shore. And there's another dose of sad comedy in the fact that the only thing currently thriving on Belle Isle isn't actually on Belle Isle. You never know it wasn't connected without looking at a map. Beyond the Yacht Club is the Belle Isle Beach, with a fantastic view of the city. It's narrow, like most Lake Huron beaches, but a great place for families to get out of the city without really having to leave it. On my way back to the bridge, I saw one poor soul in a tan vest picking up individual pieces of litter with one of those metal trash pickers. He had this blank look on his face a kind of hopeless stare, like someone had just asked him to mow a golf course with a pair of scissors. Whoever you are, brave soldier of futility, at the last outpost of our civilization, I hope they get you some help soon, and I hope they start finding the people responsible for this, and that they find some way to bring the beauty back to Belle Isle. In our next episode, will head north to the cold waters of Lake Superior, to the largest freshwater island in the United States, Isle Royale. As a highly protected and uninhabited national park, Isle Royale will give us our best look at what these islands looked like before the arrival of European peoples, with their kings and forts and styrofoam cups. <laughs>